Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Redemption Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm here with Steven, my co-host. Hey there, guys. This podcast is for patriots who are sick of typical news and politics talking points, but still want to save America. Exactly. What we need is action. So on American Redemption, we're going to look at the root causes of societal decay and give you the tools you need to save America as you go about your day-to-day life. back everyone this is episode 15 of american redemption i'm on with steven again steven how you doing i'm doing great we have a very special guest today he is a board certified internal medicine physician with a focus in allergy and immunology and his name is dr bob and he's going to be talking about obesity which is the real epidemic in this country thanks for coming on dr bob hey thank you for inviting me i'm i'm really honored to join your podcast you guys are just amazing you it's a great great thing here and I'm, I'm really impressed with what you guys are doing thanks we really appreciate it so what are you here to talk about well so i thought what i do is talk about obesity and you know people say well how the heck does that relate to american redemption but um you know for, if uh i remember from your first podcast you guys talked to uh, you know, you had a bunch of steps, and one of the steps was uh, taking care of your physical well-being. Uh, and then in episode five, I believe you talked about self-reliance, and I think that kind of all ties together to being a healthy person and taking care of your body. And unfortunately, obesity is a huge problem in the United States, and it can kind of ties to what's going on right now in our world with COVID nineteen. You know, everyone's pushing the vaccine, 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 get three, three vaccines, get the fourth, all this craziness. But the government, the CDC, the media, even the medical community is ignoring the probably biggest risk factor for bad outcome with COVID. And that's being overweight. It's being fat. <coughs> it's, it's a problem. So if you look, if you look at uh, COVID-19 and who ends up in the hospital, the majority of people are obese. Uh, it's something like uh, uh, th- through two or three fold increase in hospitalization in going in the ICU and being in the ventilator uh, if, if you're obese, if you're overweight. And this is even in children. Um, they found that there was a three time higher risk of hospitalization uh, in, um, in children. And even uh, uh, being overweight extends the, their disease process, how long they're going to be sick. So it's an important problem that everyone is ignoring. Yeah, it's crazy. If this was really about public health, this would be the number one priority of Dr. Fauci is telling people to focus on their their health, get their diet in check. Exactly. So people say, what is obesity? You know, what does it mean? So obesity is basically a, a number that you obtain by getting someone's height and weight, and you get a number, and based on that number, they'll put a scale if someone is obese or not. So the numbers generally fall somewhere, uh, you know, in the 10, 12, 15, all the way up to greater than 40. And so someone who's in the healthy weight range generally will fall in the number 
between 18 and 25. And then you're overweight if you're 25 to 30. And then you start being really heavy if you're 30 and above. Um, so there's, there's different ways to measure that. You know, you can get these tables and whatnot. But there's a handy little calculator you can, you can Google on the Internet. So, for example, I thought we could do a little quiz on you guys and find out what your BMI is. Oh, no. So oh, Stephen, I, I, got, I, I got this tested like three months ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you remember what it is? Uh, I, have, I have the paper in my So in how, my much, how tall? How, um, what is uh, your height in feet and inches? Uh, six foot two inches. All right. And how much do you weigh? Uh, 188 pounds. Okay. So your BMI is 24.1. So you're, you're perfect. You're in the ideal weight range. Nice. Yeah. Good work on being healthy. Thank you. All right. I am six, two and a half and like 178 maybe. Yeah. So you're about the same as Steven, you know, you're 20, 23 for your BMI. So you guys are perfect. So you guys take care of yourselves. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the United States do not take care of themselves. So it's a problem in every state here in the United States. We're actually the most obese country in the world. I mean, that's, you want to be, you know, the U S you want to be number one in many things, but this is not one of them. Um, and so the, the lowest, BMI, or the, the lowest, I should say, obesity rate in the U.S. is in Colorado and Hawaii, where a quarter of the population is obese, one in wow. four. What is it in the highest state? So in the highest state, it's about 40%. Wow. So it's insane. Now, what about, what do you do for someone who is just very muscular? Their BMI would say they're overweight, but are they unhealthy? Uh, no, so that that's different, you know, so um, there's other equations you can do to kind of take out the body mass and whatnot. Um, um, and then there's scales you can do it. It'll measure your water and all that to see how much fat you actually have, what your fat content is. So really but what as it, you're paying attention to is, is a percentage of your body that's body fat. Yeah. BMR yep. is just kind of a rough indicator. The BI is a rough estimate of it. Yeah. So obviously by looking at someone, you can pretty much tell if the person's overweight or not. So, you know, the question is, why don't people talk about this problem? And I think part of it is money. What monies are to be gained by fixing obesity? You know, there's no drug and whatnot that really fixes obesity. So you follow the money and you find out, well, look at a fast food industry. Tons of money is being made from the fast food industry, right? There's almost 200,000 fast food restaurants in the USA, and about 37% of adults and 30% of children go to a fast food restaurant every single day. That's mind-boggling. I go maybe twice a year, you know, and I feel sick afterwards. <laughs> so the fast food industry, least favorite fast food restaurant. McDonald's, I guess. I don't know. They're all bad. But so, you know, the top four, so McDonald's, Starbucks, Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, uh, bring in something like $270 billion a year in revenue. So you say, okay, well, fine. That's fine and good. A lot of money made in selling this fast food that makes people fat. But then you look at 
What about drug companies? They make tons of money from obesity. Um, first of all, just from the vaccines for COVID, Pfizer made $36 billion in 2021 just from the vaccine. That's profits. They made $1,000 a second in profit from the COVID vaccine. They received $8 billion in public funds to make this vaccine, you know. So there's a lot of money that they're making. So why would you try to fix obesity? Why would you fix COVID when you can make so much money from the vaccine? Yeah, there's so much corruption there. If, if the government had put that money towards information campaigns about getting weight under control and sending people like vitamin D and zinc and vitamin C, we'd probably be in a much better spot. Probably. Then you yeah. look at the overall, yeah, go ahead. No, uh, no notice as soon as, COVID became a hot button issue. Uh, suddenly, uh, Michelle Obama and all the people who were previously concerned about our health and talking about like the health program in the school, suddenly that all went away as soon as uh, we had an actual uh, mm. situation that where that could be applied. Yeah. Good observation, yeah. And so not only is the cost, you know, um, from the vaccine, but if you look at an aggregate natural cost for health care, it's about $260 billion a year is spent on people that are obese. And this is just because of the high blood pressure, the cholesterol, their diabetes, their heart disease, strokes, cancers, arthritis, you name it, sleep apnea. So there's so much money to be made from, from obese people that why would the drug industry you know, fight it? They're making tons of money from this stuff. That's crazy. And people talk about the like a surcharge for insurance for smokers. People want to do that for people who are not vaccinated as well. Just crazy. How about you do it for obese people instead? That would actually be helpful. Oh, I totally agree. Yep. Sub subsidize a gym membership. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's definitely worse things that they're spending our money on, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they could, they right. could get everyone. They could get everyone signed up for Planet Fitness or something like that. Well, it, it be... expensive. If they wanted to go, they could go, even without any subsidy. Yeah, yeah. And and so if you look to say, you know, why do we have such an obesity problem? It's a problem that started <clears throat> sometime in the late '60s, early '70s. Back then, in the U.S., about 15 percent of the population was obese you know, up to about 40 to 42, 3% now. So it's risen dramatically in, in the, you know, since the 70s. Uh, and if you look back on time, what happened back then? You know, the 50s, 60s, 70s, that's when McDonald's start coming out. The uh, Pizza Hut, Domino's Pizza, all those, they kind of grew exponentially during that time. Of course, also you had cars, you had TV, electronics, you know, people start going to work more in offices instead of being out on the farm. So there's a lot less physical activity. So all that, I think, caught up to us. What's interesting, you see a lot of other countries, they lag behind us for about 20 years. So they're starting to see the same problem in Mexico, Canada, you know, Europe, even Korea. They're still way behind where we are, but they're slowly catching up for the same reasons. What about the war on fat? Do you think that played a role at all? I think it was probably around the same time period. Big Sugar kind of lobbied to make fat the enemy rather than sugar and carbs. And I think the the federal 
uh, department that makes the food pyramid demonized fat as well for a long time. Yeah, they demonized, you know, the, you're right, they demonized the whole milk, the whole yogurt, the whole fat yogurt for the low fat stuff. But what do they do to make it taste good? They put more sugar in that stuff. That's extra calories, really, but it's it's worse calories than fat in a way. Um, you know, and yeah, then they add all these other more in detail what um, fat and yogurt and dairy and all that sort of thing is, and why it's actually important. Well, my my philosophy on food is what comes from the ground or comes naturally is generally better for you than it's one made in a lab or in another facility. Um, so you look at, you know, through the ages, cheese, yogurt, milk, you know, the stuff that comes from the cow, it's just natural. It's made by God for us to consume. But then these people start saying, oh, this fat stuff, this is bad for you. So they started making low-fat milk, low-fat yogurt and all that. But of course, it doesn't taste as good. So they add all these other ingredients in there to try to make it taste good. But those other ingredients are not any better for us they arguably are worse you know you look at it look at the kids yogurt right it's it's zero, a lot of them are actually fat free but there are tons of sugar in it go for a whole fat yogurt put some fruit you know without sugar just the plain stuff put some raspberries blueberries in there maybe a hint of honey and you've got a really good healthy snack and that small, there's still a small amount of fat in there, but it's real fat. That's going to keep you satisfied for longer, so you're not going to keep being hungry. Yeah. But if you have low fat, high sugar, it gives you that quick burst, and an hour later, you want more food. I switched recently switched my breakfast to that exact thing. Before, I was eating uh, random stuff to change every morning, and I would eat a granola bar by 10 o'clock. I was so hungry. Now, every morning, I have a big bowl of Greek yogurt, full fat, plain. I had honey, granola almonds and some fruit and i'm good to go until one o'clock yeah you're getting lots of proteins fairly low sugar it's sustainable food mm-hmm. you know so uh, you know you're basically you are what you eat when it comes down to it so you want to take care of your body and the way you do that is by reading labels looking at what is out there and trying to avoid all that fake food right what are some ingredients we should be watching out, especially for on the on the label? So the first thing I would recommend is you try, you know, as you're looking at, you're trying to lose weight, right? Or you're trying to be healthy. The first thing I'd recommend is try to avoid the inflammatory foods. So that's especially food additives and preservatives that ends up in there. So think about, um, you know, corn syrup, high fructose syrup, Guar gum, inulin, xanthan gum, aspartame, olestra, annatto, potassium benzoate, MSG, you, the, you know, sodium nitrate, potassium metasulfite, you know, things you can't really even pronounce half the time. These are things that are made in the lab. They don't need to be in, in your food. So start by that because what happens is these foods are inflammatory. They're going to cause you, you know, stomach upsets. They're going to cause bloating. They're going to cause joint pain. So now you have joint pain and you, you don't feel good. So now you're not going to go want to exercise and move around and do things. So first get rid of all that. Go for the natural food. What do you think about um, the highly processed and manufactured cooking oils? I've read that 
seed oils like canola oil, vegetable oil are highly inflammatory as well. Yeah, it's a great point. Exactly. So stick to olive oil and maybe some avocado oil. Those are better food. You know, it's really the Mediterranean diet when you think about it. Uh, you know, what, but you got to be careful. You know, when you say Mediterranean diet and what Italians eat, you say, oh, it's pasta, pasta, pasta. I can have a big bowl of pasta. But if you go to Italy, they don't have a giant bowl of pasta. You know, they have a, you know, one serving with vegetables and fruits and things along with it. Um, so as you start thinking about, okay, now I'm eating these foods and I, I, I don't want to overeat, right? That's part of the next step. If you're going to have a plate of spaghetti, one of the things you want to do is have a small plate. Don't have that big giant plate of food and dump all the spaghetti in it because like me, you're going to inhale that in about three minutes and then you'll have a second one without thinking, right? Uh, but what happens when you eat is your body's going to start recepting that you're eating, but there's going to be a delayed time from the time to eat to the time it realizes it's full. So you want to eat slowly. And so one of the ways to do that is have a small plate, eat it, and then try to wait a few minutes before you decide of a second plate. And hopefully by then your body will catch up to you and say, Hey, I'm full. You don't need that second plate. So it was a small plate, less calories, less carbs. And hopefully that's all you're going to eat and then save the rest for the next day. So that's step two. So step one is get rid of the all the junk in your food, all the food additives, preservatives, and whatnot. Two is try to not overeat by by using smaller plates, smaller cups. You know, if you everyone's gonna watch TV and have a snack, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're supposed to do in a way. But don't bring that bag of potato chips with you when you're or popcorn, right? P take a small cup, put some snacks in it, and that's all you're gonna eat. You're gonna run out. More than likely, you're going to be too lazy to go get more food, <laughs> and you're done. But if you have the big bag, you can't stop. Yeah, so use your laziness and it to your Use advantage. your laziness to your advantage for that, yes. But otherwise, you want to fight the resistance, right? The, the, the easy thing to do in life is to eat bad food, to go to the fast food place, to get junk food, to go, you know, whatever, to not cook your own food. It takes more work to go to the store, read the labels, and cook your own food, but but it's doable. And if you don't know how to cook, go to YouTube, watch some videos, and bam, it's really not difficult. So then you want to exercise. That's pretty the third step. You want to walk. Um, you know, you don't have to run six miles a day to be healthy, to lose weight. The key is walking, it's gardening, it's doing things. So you go to the grocery store, you don't park right by the entrance, you park far away from the parking lot. And you take those extra steps to go in the store. You're in the mall, don't take the elevator, right? Take the steps. Or if you have the escalator, walk up the escalator. It, all those little things add up over a day and your goal should be at least 7,000 steps a day, maybe a, even 10,000. Uh, all the longevity show the same thing. The more active you're going to be, the longer you're going to live, the fitter you're going to be, the best chance that you're going to lose weight. So, so you're saying so, intensity is not quite as important as just generally being active? Some intensity is, but there's actually some studies that suggest that too much intensity, uh, intensity uh, can be detrimental to your health. And I think it's something like over 10 hours a week of vigorous exercise can actually increase uh, 
premature aging of the heart. So there, there's a, it's moderation. Okay. It's moderation to everything, right? So yeah, if you like running. The joints, right? Running just mm-hmm. destroys your joints. Yeah. So if you're going to run, don't go run every day. Maybe you run every other day. And then on the off days is when you're just walking or maybe you do some strength exercise. Do you have a, a rough breakdown on what kind of split of macronutrients you should be having between fat, carbs, and protein? Uh, well, you know, you, you uh, I can't give you the exact numbers off the top of my head, but you know, if you, first of all, if you talk about proteins themselves, a lot of experts will suggest that um, about half of the proteins that you're going to take a day should be plant-based and the other half should be animal-based. There's an argument that some will make that it should be more fish than Mm. red meat and animal meat, maybe the fatty fish, because those uh, may have more omega-3 and those types of things. Um, So stuck with that first. And then for the carbohydrates, you know, you're looking for the complex carbohydrates, not the simple carbohydrates. Uh, so you want brown rice, you want whole grains, uh, those types of things. If you do the white rice, if you do the plain white flour, what happens when you eat the food is is you get a quick uh, sugar rise in your body, and then it goes away very quick. So it, it gives you that maybe that quick burst of energy, but then you can feel tired the rest of the day. But if you have the complex carbohydrates, it has more fiber in it, so the digestion process is slowed down, which is going to make you feel full longer. Mm-hmm. But you also get a slower rise in your sugars in your body, so you're not going to be tired and have want to take that nap after lunch. Yeah, that always happens to me, the post-lunch slump mm-hmm. on carbs. Yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations for buying seafood? Because I bought some shrimp last week, and it was kind of terrible, tasted kind of rubbery. Uh, or the texture was really bad. And then a lot of the fish are from farms and they're filled with all kinds of junk. But then the, yeah. you know, the good stuff's really expensive. So how do you incorporate seafood in a realistic way into your, your weekly diet? That, that's a great question. I haven't found a perfect answer to that one. Uh, you know, you go to the local grocery store and, and you know, at least the one where I am, most of the food is either farmed, you know, they're fresh seafood section if you look at the labels um, most of it is actually already frozen and they just started out there and a lot of it is farm raised and so um, you know when it's farm raised look look at salmon that's farm raised they actually put a red dye in it so it looks red it's ridiculous right so try to go for wild caught food fish and you also want to make sure that it's dry so there's a there's an industry they have wet and dry fish Wet fish is where they add a chemical that increases the weight of the fish so mm. that it can weigh more. Um, and that chemical... Actually feeling the fish, it should be dry? Well, if you ask the, you know, the, the person that's at the desk, they should be, if, if they're not lying to you, they should truthfully tell you if the fish is wet or dry. Sometimes it actually says on the label. Um, what I found is the this... Um, chemical ends up in um, Walmart frozen food a lot, the, their seafood. So I would avoid Walmart fish. Mm. Um, you can find some good organic 
frozen seafood, you know, at your local store. And sometimes I think that's probably fresher than the stuff that's been sitting out, you know, in their counter all for a week or so. Uh, buying over uh, online may give you the best chance for, for the best fish. But otherwise, I would say, yeah, for shrimp, um, look for an organic wild shrimp if you can find it. Um, you know, they look, you read the ingredient, the shrimp, there's nothing else on that label. But it's are, hard. Are to there find. any good farms for, for seafood? Like, you know, with livestock, there's good farming practices and bad. Is it all bad for, for fish, for seafood? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, how that okay. but it's best to just avoid it. I, you know, I, you minimize it. it, it Wild is still going to be better. Uh, but I'm sure there's some reputable farms out there. I just don't have information on which ones that would be. Hmm. Sony should say organic there somewhere. Okay. I would hope. Yeah. So, so those are uh, to be the steps to, you know, there's no magic bullet of how to, to be fit and how to lose weight. It's hard work. It's easy to be lazy, so you want to fight the resistance to do nothing. So you want to get off the couch, you want to walk, you want to take steps, you want to be active, you want to read labels, avoid all the stuff that shouldn't be in your food, go for the natural stuff. If you go out to eat, go to the farm through table restaurants, don't go to the fast food, don't go to the chains, it's all frozen food that comes in a truck, it's not good for you. Try Learn how to cook. Go to YouTube, look at a few recipes, experiment. It won't take long to figure out how to cook some good dishes. Uh, again, go for the natural stuff, you know. Uh, you don't need margarine. Real butter is great. Olive oil is great. Avoid canola oil, vegetable oil, uh, those types of things. Um, and walk, walk, walk. Unfortunately, I think some people still need an incentive to lose weight. And I've thought about that. So well, how can you incentivize people to lose weight? There's not really any good ways, uh, except maybe you make them pay more for the health insurance, right? So you look at people, uh, car insurance. If you're a bad driver, your rate goes up. If you're on life insurance, you're a smoker, your rate goes up. Medical insurance goes up just by age. The older you are, the more you pay. So why shouldn't people who are obese pay more for health insurance? Maybe that would incentivize them to lose weight and save a few bucks. Makes too much sense. People in charge can't do anything that makes sense. You guys see any other questions? Uh, yeah. So I would say that I've done a pretty good job incorporating uh, steps one. And steps three, I get exercise uh, pretty regularly. Uh, I go to my gym uh, like three or four days a week. Uh, so I That's lift awesome. weights. I uh, train jujitsu and kickboxing. So I'm getting that uh, that exercise in. I'm getting a good sweat in every day. Uh, I walk at work. And uh, with step one, I've cut all the bad oils out. I stick straight to olive oil and I've been 
reading labels on my food. I, I spent five dollars on on bread the other day because I brought bread that what that didn't have uh 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 what is it the the sunflower uh oil and. And it probably have potassium bromate or some other it, stuff it, in it. Exactly. Right? And it has the the it has the chemicals in it that, that colorizes it and et cetera. And I bought some all natural bread with seeds in it that maybe has like five or six ingredients that you can actually read and it's made with, you know, like real flour and so but step two is gonna be I think the point where I have to evolve as I get older, because right now uh, I'm young and in, in, in shape, and it seems like I, I can I, I have a never-ending appetite, and I can eat until you know the cows come home, and I, I, I don't put on any weight because I'm active and uh, I have a good, decent schedule. But as as I get older and my metabolism slows down, I'm definitely going to have to uh, incorporate that uh, taking smaller plates and allowing your food to digest because I've been told that I'm a fast eater. <laughs> yeah. It is amazing as you get older, your metabolism changes so much that you can't eat like when you were younger, you know. So something you keep in your mind, and as you see that happening in your life, you start to slowly adjust to maintain the weight so you don't gain it. And in women, once they hit menopause, that's really hard for women to lose weight. And part of it is they don't have their menstrual cycle anymore, and that menstrual cycle actually burns thousands of calories a month. So you have you know, to adjust even just because of that reason alone not just the metabolism going down you know it's amazing wow that's yeah that's really interesting i know a lot of people i work with who are older like they have to skip breakfast otherwise they say they just gain weight like crazy mm -hmm. yeah. so they're doing intermittent fasting and everything what what is the uh the current philosophy on that is breakfast the most important meal of the day is that like a an urban legend or is that actually legitimate i i, I just want to hear your take on that you know if you talk to like 10 different people that probably tell you 10 different answers uh there's there's actually some data to suggest that fasting can actually be healthy for you and help you lose weight like extended fasting um, so, uh, there is a diet called the modified, uh, fasting diet where you don't eat breakfast. You don't eat until noon. And for some people that works for them. Um, everyone has a different body type. So for some people fasting and skipping breakfast <coughs> will work, but for other people, if they don't eat breakfast, the metabolism being so high that, uh, they actually feel weak, tired, maybe even dizzy. So they have to have breakfast. So. There's not a good one answer because it's going to depend on the person. Yeah, that's some good insight. So a lot of this stuff, there's no one size fits all solution. Yeah. But well, as I a ask about the plant protein thing too, what are some good sources there? Because it seems like I think of beans. That's the only thing I can really think of. And you'd have to eat a ton of beans 
to equal the amount of protein you'd get in just a little bit of meat. You know, my sandwich, I have a quarter pound of turkey or ham or whatever in my lunch, and that's like 40 grams of protein at least. I'd have to eat like cups of beans, many cups of beans to get that much. Yeah. So, you know, certainly soy is a good source of protein, you know, tofu. Our listeners are not going to like that. Yeah, Uh, edamame. Oh, soy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lentil. Lentil is actually, you know, in soup and things like that. That's a great source of proteins. Uh, I believe it's got something like 18 grams of proteins per cup. So that's a great What do you say about the, the phytoestrogen claims against soy? Yeah, I, 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 my sons are really scared of soy and they think that, you know, it's bad for them, but you know, in moderation, it's not going to be a problem. Well, how can it be mod? I agree, you know, having it every now and then seems like no big deal, but if it's going to be half of your protein intake, that doesn't seem like moderation. No, but you, you don't have to just do soy, right? So you have the, like you mentioned, the beans. A good source, you know, chickpeas, garbanzo beans. Um, there was a high in proteins. Uh, nutritional yeast is actually a, a good source of a protein, and you, it's kind of like, tastes like cheese. Um, and you can put that in mashed potatoes or spread it over whatever you know, all your dishes, and you can get a lot of protein from that. It's called nutritional um, yeast. Nutritional yeast, yeah, huh. and it's high in in some uh, vitamins, including B vitamins. Like B12 and things That's like good. that. I'll have to check that out. There's some ancient grains that are high in protein, like spelt, barley, farro. Um, so those like you could you know you can find breads that are made with those, and that's useful. Then there's some seeds, uh, like hemp seeds, can be high in proteins. Even green peas, right? You think green peas, these tiny little things. There's nothing in there, but it's actually a high in protein. And uh, there's a, a product out there called um, Ripple, Ripple Milk. It's got eight grams of proteins per glass of milk. It's it, of, of, of Ripple Milk. It's the same as cow milk from a protein standpoint. Uh, quinoa would be something else that's high. So um, oat, oatmeal, you know. So all those are ways you can increase your protein intake so you're not just getting a steak and a fish or, or whatnot. And not to say you can't have any of those. I'm going to have a good steak here and there, but try to have a variety of it. Even wild rice, brown rice, and then, of course, nuts. That's another good source of proteins. The key yeah. is variety. Yeah. Variety and moderation. So is it not enough variety if I, I make a meal on Sunday or Monday and have that every day of the week I think that's fine and then the next week you have something else yeah you know and you can always uh, spice it up a little bit you know uh, maybe you have some uh, I don't know maybe you make some um, chili that's gonna last you all week and then one day you're gonna have it you know you put more beans in it by the end of the week to kind of fluff it up a little bit or now you're going to heat it with whole grain bread, um, something like that. And maybe you're going to cook it with some tofu or add some tofu at the end of the week. 
Now, are there any vitamins and uh, or supplements you recommend? Uh, if you have a good diet that's varied in fruits and vegetables, you probably don't need to take supplements because you should really be getting all of that in there. Uh, there are some uh, conditions where you can't absorb B12 or other things like that. You're going to need to take you know, a shot or, or whatnot. But as a rule, if you have a good fairy diet, you generally don't need vitamins. And there really isn't any studies to suggest that a daily vitamin every day is going to prolong your life. There's actually some research to show the opposite. So as a rule, I'll say for most people, no, they don't need it. But if their diet's poor, they probably should do something. What about vitamin D in the, in the wintertime? Yeah, vitamin D, that, that, that may be important. Uh, there's a lot of conflicting studies on vitamin D and exactly what it does, but uh, certainly there's data to say that it may increase energy, it may help fight infections, including the COVID infection. Um, and definitely people's vitamin D drops in the, in the wintertime. So supplements with that would be good. Now, there's some fish that are high in vitamin D. Uh, so you can get vitamin D from certainly a variety of foods, but for most people, it's probably not enough. And then even in the su summer, right, you think, oh, I'm out in the sun. I'm going to get vitamin D just for me in the sun. But if you lather up every day with sunscreen from, you know, morning to evening, you're not going to absorb you know, you're not going to make vitamin D. So, yeah, I guess I generally agree, but I do take three vitamins. I take vitamin D, zinc, and occasionally omega-3. Omega-3, I just don't get enough. I don't have enough seafood in my diet. It's, it's too expensive to get the good fish. And omega-3 gets you one of the important nutrients, you know, without all the expense. And I don't think I could get enough zinc without the supplement either. I looked at foods that have zinc and it's not even close to what a very cheap little zinc supplement has. Yep. So you could increase your omega-3 with some foods. Chia seeds, those tiny little seeds, like uh, bluish black seeds, are actually a good source of uh, omega-3. So, you know, with that yogurt you have every morning, mm -hmm. you could throw some of that in there. Walnuts, flax seeds are also high in omega-3, and then even Brussels sprouts. So those might be some ways to increase. All right, let's go over to the call to action now. Yeah, so I think, you know, we kind of hit on it earlier, I guess. But so call to action is think about you are what you eat, take care of your body, fight the resistance to be lazy, and to do nothing, eat better, be more active, and um, it'll make you a healthier person, and you're going to be better for it. And so you go through those steps, right? Look at what you're eating, avoid all the junk foods, exercise, just be more active. Yeah, this is very important, very important for step two of the three-step plan as well. Stephen, remind us of the three-step plan. The American Redemption three-step plan is show up, look good, 
and oppose Satan. And this really, uh, I mean, I was going to say it touches on steps one and two, but it really touches on steps all in three. Uh, you gotta, you gotta show up by definition. If you show up, you, you probably feel, you probably feel good about yourself. You probably took some initiative. You're not lazy. Like we're talking about. So you showed up, you look good because you took care of yourself and you know, sloth is one of the seven deadly sins. So the devil yeah. wants you to be lazy. Gluttony so, is a sin too. Gluttony is also a sin. So you're right. This encompasses the entirety of the three-step plan. And you can't save America if you're not willing to help yourself be healthy. So take care of yourself, everybody. Yeah, it's like Jordan Peterson says, you got to get yourself in order before you go and criticize the world. So, you know, we're not going to be taking the uh, advice from a, a land whale as well as we would from someone who's in good shape and takes care of themselves. Yeah, and and obesity is such a high cost in our healthcare, such a high cost problem. If we could, you know, we have to take our own responsibility, and if we can make ourselves healthier, this country is going to be for the better in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I remember that analogy we made in the one episode where we talked about the 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 soul of America and that America's soul was deteriorating and we brought up that America was also uh, obese as well so I mean that goes hand in hand it's the yeah. it's it's mind body and and spirit you have to have all three and mm-hmm. you you got to start somewhere yeah absolutely uh, yeah this is a very important topic so thank you Dr Bob for coming on and enlightening us with, with this diet and nutrition information. Definitely going to be taking some of this and incorporating it into my everyday life. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it really is an honor. Thank You're you. very welcome. Hope to have you on again sometime. All right. Bye, everyone, and thanks for listening.